Hi, I'm Brian Johnson, and thank you for coming for another episode of Device Talks. I'm here with Stefan Marsh. He's the inventor of the Airing device and the co-founder of the company Airing, which is working on a novel solution um, for snoring treatment that will one day replace a CPAP machine. Is that the ambition, Stefan? That is. Um, Snoring is a precursor to obstructive sleep apnea, Mm -hmm. OSA. Um, CPAP machinery, which stands for continuous positive airway pressure, is really a a treatment designed for treating sleep apnea. Mm. Uh, Not so much snoring, but uh, but there's a consequence that it goes away too. Absolutely. Um, So, I mean, I remember uh, interviewing um, one of the heads of ResMed, um, and his father uh, his father was one of the founders of the company and came back and said, oh, um, I'm going to basically uh, start a company that, you know, is a reverse vacuum to stop snoring and uh, treat sleep apnea, and everyone thought he was crazy, too. That's a billion and a half business. Um, Peter Farrell is uh, Peter Farrell, known correct. well in this, <laughs> in this space. Tell me a little bit about the journey, because you're not, you don't have a medical background, is that correct? I do not. Okay. You're an inventor. Amongst other things, yes, <laughs> I am. And, and what kind of things do you, do you develop, do you invent in your past? What have you, tell me a little bit about what led you here to this point. Okay. Um, I've invented uh, a number of things. I think uh, on our Indiegogo site, my uh, bio might say I'm on 75 patents or patent applications. So it's uh, I've been around uh, technology for all my life. Um, what I invent uh, invariably is is a solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, if you understand technology as I do, and many different kinds of technology, often disparate, then uh, I really like the U.S. patent offices. Uh, definition of an invention. Mm -hmm. They call it the unobvious combination of generally well-known parts. And I think the best inventions are those that, uh, for risk mitigation really, are those that, you know, the the pieces, the parts are actually, uh, there's a precedent. Somebody's already doing that for some other reason. And so when I see a problem, um, you know, it it oftentimes, uh, I can't help myself, but it's a it's uh, a need to sort of figure out how to solve that, how to how to maybe do that in a in a way that might be uh, easier, faster, better. Mm-hmm. You know, I come from a semiconductor background, um, hardware, software design of computer systems, and so uh, that led me into MEMS, microelectromechanical systems. And so the maybe the answer uh, to this question would be where where did this come from? Is that I was actually uh, I've designed an energy technology. Mm-hmm. It's uh, called the power chip. It makes electricity from air and hydrogen. It's built on a semiconductor wafer uh, in a traditional fab. Uh, it's literally going to change the world. Um, it'll enable the hydrogen economy. Um, and so when I want to make a lot of power in a very small volume, I have to get air to go through these little channels to provide the uh, oxygen for the electrochemistry and cooling. And it was really the micro pumps, which are the core technology in the airing product, the application of, this, of the micro CPAP, it was really the, the, the little micro blowers that were designed for that purpose of pushing air uh, through that energy technology. 
was the invention, but there was an aha moment. The aha moment, and you, you, uh, and, and your email mentioned my brother. Um, I think in my phone somewhere I have a picture of him with a big plastic mask on his face right. and um, suction cups on his head and wires. And you know, I know my brother well, and he looks terrified. Hmm. I mean, just really terrified. You know, and and I that that so that's in your head somewhere. So when you when you have an aha moment. It's really hard sometimes to, to pinpoint the genesis exactly when that happened and why. But uh, I did an analysis, a conversion. I don't speak centimeters of water. I speak pounds per square inch. Mm-hmm. Uh, CPAP machinery is uh, treatments are in range of you know four or five centimeters of water to maybe 20 centimeters of water. And if you do the conversion, you'll find that, uh, that you know, 15 centimeters of water is only like 0.2 pounds per square inch. So after having designed these micro pumps for a completely different application and understanding what their capabilities were, I saw that sort of, you know, range right. where they could do that. Maybe that picture flashed in my head and I realized that, you know, your nose is sort of a protected area. They're so small that I could put them there mm-hmm. in a nose ring, an air ring, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it, it, if it could push the same air at the same pressure, it, it, could, it could deliver the treatment. Right. And so that was a, a big aha for me. So your brother has sleep apnea. Obstructive sleep apnea. He's mm-hmm. diagnosed, and unfortunately, he's a non-complier. So he doesn't, and that's obviously a huge issue for the industry in terms of CPAP, is the, the machines are big, they're bulky. There's a tube coming up. People have trouble sleeping, um, although people that use them rave about them, or and their if spouses can, rave about them if they use it. If you can tolerate it, yeah. right? And and you say it's a big big deal for the industry. You're you're correct. And there's another constituency it's a big deal for, and that's the doctors. Mm-hmm. Here you have a treatment that actually is effective. It can actually save lives or save damage, right? Mm-hmm. But if if the treatment isn't well tolerated. Then that's frustrating, right? So especially for healers, right? And and then you take you have this sort of beautiful symmetry where something you're working on, you find an application for. That's in in some cases that's actually kind of rare, isn't it? I mean, where you have uh, usually you're you're solving technology for a pro, you're creating technology to solve a problem, but sometimes these things match up, so you had a totally different invention. And then you have this this problem kind of found you, and they matched up. Yeah, I would. I Is would, it that uh, simple, or are we? Am I, no, no. I, I think it? that's a that's a good way to phrase it. And and I would tell you that uh, much of the technology in my life uh, is is rather finite. It um, it it it, it uh, performs this function. It'll only ever be this big or this small or be that powerful. Um, it has a window in time. And, you know, it's perhaps useful, valuable, um, but it wouldn't be what I would call a, a platform technology. Mm. Um, the microblowers are, are truly, by my definition, a platform technology. And the characteristic of a platform technology is that it does have many applications. And I, I can't tell you how exciting it is to be involved with a technology that's a platform technology. Mm. Other applications in, in med tech per se, or, or just in terms absolutely. of absolutely, okay, absolutely. So you feel like this is probably the start of perhaps a, a longer med tech uh, involvement. Let's 
let's take it from that point though where you have your aha moment and you see this at broad application and it also has a tremendously large patient population how do you start the process of marrying the two and trying to build a product what what, what tell me about that journey a little bit so when I speak to uh, people um, who are interested in the inventive process and development process and productization process um, your question comes up and it's a good one because having an idea is so far from having a working product that's being used by people and helping them so how do you get from the beginning to the end um, if you're an inventor if you're someone like me who puts disparate technologies together in a way that they are unobvious and, and not usual I think it's really helpful uh, to would be my advice to to people like me uh, maybe earlier in the in their experience is to write uh, what I do is I write a concept brief, hmm. basically. In other words, I define what my idea is of how to bring what together, for what purpose, and and why, and, and, and my thinking about it. And the reason I do this is inventors have the luxury of not being burdened by, uh, oftentimes the luxury of not being burdened by preconceived notions. Um, and when you can put this piece of technology with that piece of technology together, in some unobvious way, you oftentimes have to explain it to people who have an expertise in one or the other. So if you write this in a concept brief, you can give this document, which, which helps clarify your own thinking right, to these experts to have them weigh in on whether or not this is possible or, or, uh, or probable or, or even important. Mm -hmm. right? So when I had the aha moment for the uh, micro CPAP device, which seemed, as an engineer, completely obvious to me uh, why that this could be um, perhaps more tolerable, uh, more desirable. I, I actually started out, you know, past the, the pure technology aspect of it, the design of it, um, talking to doctors. I went immediately to, to pulmonologists and, and doctors in, in the Boston area uh, to find out whether or not this was crazy or not. Um, I didn't know as much as I do now about uh, CPAP machinery, about uh, the number of people who suffer from this, the consequences of it. Um, I, I confess uh, I didn't realize the peril, the risk my brother takes as being a non-complier. But when you take a piece of technology or an application of a, a piece of technology to people who understand its application uh, and understand what the state of the art is and understand the problems, uh, and the pluses around that. Uh, you, get, you, you put yourself in a position to sort of have an evaluation, a meaningful evaluation, as to whether or not this is worth doing. When I say it's worth doing, I, I, I'd like to clarify that. Um, in my opinion, I'm very interested, actually, in uh, basic research. Um, it makes nice reading, and I, I find it uh, a source of information, input for me. But... I'm much more personally into applying technology because if you can't make a piece of technology, in my opinion, do something important and valuable for a human being or for us, right. then it's merely interesting. Mm -hmm. So, and, you know, basic research itself, which leads to applied research, 
I find very interesting, but I'm much more the guy down here that wants to do something for it that, that's, right. that's going to be doing something meaningful to you. I imagine someone in your profession gets tons of ideas, there's tons of moments. Uh, maybe using this as an example, maybe you just told us some of the ways in which you vetted the idea by going to the experts and things like that. But do you find any uniformity to the ideas that stick with you that you end up really pursuing to the, uh, the to their sort of conclusion? Uh, like, do they stick with you for a long time? Is it uh, do they usually come very fast, like uh, out of the blue aha moments? Or are they kind of grinding thoughts? Uh, you know that's that's a that's a complex uh, question, <laughs> and I'm not sure I have a simple answer. Um, I'm tenacious; it's my nature. Um, I don't give up easy on things. Uh, not if I if they if I I believe believe in them and they're valuable. Uh, there's an expression: whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe it can achieve. Uh, I I believe that. Every time I see an airplane flying overhead, you know, really up there, really high, with that little trail behind it, I, I'm just totally amazed at what man is capable of. So, um, do they stick with me? Yes. Um, is the process quick and fast? Sometimes the the aha moment is the the invention part is, um, but I'm a conservative designer, so I, um, you know, I I I am not likely to pursue something. Uh, towards towards a uh, say towards a product or a device, if if I if I can't see how I can make it happen, mm-hmm. uh, and again I there's an expression also you should work with people much more intelligent than you, and so I have the good fortune of working with really smart people, right. and I can pursue ideas, inventions, uh, long enough to. Determine that they're basically they're, they're doable and worth doing, and then and that's kind of how I, I if it was a question somewhat of selection, yeah. um, it's it's a, plus also how how valuable how important it is. Um, I've invented, you know, toys, um, trinkets or what, you know, okay. f- uh, fads, fleets, whatever you want to call them. Um, some of those aren't. Uh, aren't as valuable as others, right? So it seems like in the micro CPAP machine, there's a lot of these core beliefs aligned with this aha moment and this technology kind of kept you going forward. So you had early validation from the clinicians, or would you say that there was resistance to your idea? Uh, I'll tell you that the, uh, <laughs> the common response, which I... You should pay attention to what people tell you when you're, when you're exploring... Uh, you know the possibilities and and the and the sense things make. When I describe the airing device as a micro CPAP that can fit in and under your nose to deliver this proven treatment, effective treatment, uh, the comment, the response back w- was consistent, almost c- continuously. It was like, "What? No way! You can't do that! <laughs> yeah. No way! Pause." Can you do that? Can you really do that? Pause. If you can do that, Stefan, this will change everything. <laughs> Doctors, technicians, everybody, pa- patients, everybody. And, right. But it was always a what? 
it, you know, so you pay attention, <laughs> and you start to realize that there's, you know, there are some things that, you know, that if you can do it, you should. There are some things that just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> and then there are times when it seems like you really should. So you, you're pushing forward. You're getting this sort of react. You're getting this reaction from the clinician community. You're still just a one person right now, right? Driving an idea. When do you start to bring in collaborators? When do you start to okay, design so, the device? So I am. Um, I haven't been one person for a long time. Okay. Uh, I have uh, been involved in other companies who have scientific advisory boards. I have uh, many relationships. Um, if you look on our Airring site uh, website or in Indiegogo uh, as well, you'll you'll see a list of uh, the team members there. So, sure. uh, in the beginning, when I had the aha moment, uh, you know, it, it wasn't Airring at that moment. Uh, Airring was formed specifically for this application of the micro pumps, um, but the good news is uh, I'm never alone, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I have uh, people that are much smarter than me around me to uh, to be able to to do the validation and vetting of the technology. So, did it was it very obvious that you needed to start a company to develop this product? It it, what, uh, it, it actually was, yeah. uh, and and again I'll, I'll go back to uh, a platform technology. Um, Many, many, many years ago, after good advice from many, many people who knew me well, I wrote on my whiteboard, focus. As an inventor, sometimes, uh, you know, our, 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 our uh, mind is uh, active and, and always thinking of, of things. But when you have a platform technology with many applications, um, which application do you choose to pursue? And... Again, the aha moment about the, the CPAP, I think, was fortunate. I'm, I'm very happy with that, that this was an application that made sense, that couldn't be done any other way without this platform technology, this invention. Um, and the, the sense of that, of starting airing and, and making that happen, by the input I was getting and the feedback, just it, it just it was the right, it felt right, it was the right thing to do. And, and you need to focus on something, and this was a wonderful thing to focus on. And, and if we could dig into the design of the device, the airing device. Now, it's a disposable device? That's, it is. It's in your no- and actually fits sort of in your nostril, in your nose. It's- your podcast people can't see this, but um, I am pulling out a, an appearance model of a device. So it's very small. It looks, it's almost like a fat contact lens case size. Yeah, it's, um, you know, the size of a, a bushy mustache, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, it has nose buds on it, uh, like that might go in your ear for your earbuds, but uh, it is designed to fit under your nose, which is the protected area that I described. It's designed to stick in your nose. It forms a seal. It's comfortable. It stays there. It is a single-use device, and that wasn't, um, uh, you know, in, in, in a a first intention mm-hmm. it is as a result of the design to get enough energy stored in there uh, that device to breathe for you uh, for eight hours every night um, and not be too big or way too much uh, required a what's referred to as a primary battery a non rechargeable battery and to put it in a package like that uh, so that we can get enough stored energy in made it need, 
required it to be integrated, right. and so it's not interchangeable. And if you have a battery that's not rechargeable and not interchangeable, you have something that's used once. Right. And the advantage of that, I might add, though, is uh, something that a lot of CPAP users are concerned about, and that is the safety of the cleanliness you know, of something that, that's blowing air into you for every night. And so cleaning this type of equipment is extremely important. Right. But you can imagine cleaning a hose, a corrugated hose. Sure, you could put a, the nose buds or a nose mask in your sink with really hot water or however they recommend cleaning that. Yeah. But the whole device and, you know, so I think a, a side benefit of being single use is that you get a brand new, fresh, clean device out of a hermetically sealed package every night. So it's, I mean, it's very small. It's like the size of my thumb, fits in the palm of my hand. It doesn't look, it's very light, although it's got some heft to it. Um, I see some vents here on the side and on the top. Uh, the machine, there's, tell me about the, the, the innards here, the, mach so the machinery. The point. What's, how is that, the blowing in of the yes. air? So the finger, uh, your finger was on what you called a grill there uh, at the front. Each of the black dots that you see there, and you can you can watch a technical video on our uh, mm -hmm. Indiegogo site or our website. But the each each of those black dots in that grill is actually a micro blower. Mm -hmm. uh, so behind every one of those is an individual micro blower, wow. and there are a number of them in there. Um, and it is because I have so many of them in there and in parallel that I can bring in all of the air you need in what's referred to as your tidal volume. Your mm -hmm. lungs have a capacity, but every time you breathe in and breathe out, it's only a portion of that, which is called your tidal volume. Mm -hmm. And so when you have little microblowers that are electrostatically driven, uh, you know, this is like magnets back in the day when uh, opposite poles attract, uh, mm -hmm. light poles re uh, repel, um, that I am literally uh, just like a little bellows, sucking all the air you need in as quick as quickly as you need it to blow in through the device while you're inhaling. That's fascinating. Because I mean, CPAP machines—that's a very strong flow of air into your nose. Right. So the the some of the smartest technical people that I know who reviewed the uh, design, uh, like most human beings, would say. How in the world can you possibly do that? But the good thing about physics and math and, and, uh, and mechanical design is you can look at the unit and see what it does, and you know what you need it to do, and you uh, design a system that you know, has the capacity to be able to do that, or it doesn't. Right. And in this case, uh, it does. So when you were designing the, the, the did you design the device? Or I did. What, I mean, did you? Well, did you go? And, you and your team. my team. Did you go out to users and talk to them about it? What was the process like? There is uh, no um, micro pump like this in existence on mm -hmm. the planet. That's why we're in the proof of concept prototyping phase. Right. There are many other microfluidic pumps that people are aware of. Uh, Part of how I design, how I invent is, uh, thank God for Google, I, um, I'm able to get a tremendous amount of information. Mm -hmm. I try very hard not to reinvent the wheel, which is another good expression. So as you become aware of what's happening, 
out there, a sort of state of the art of a technology, uh, if you're like me any, anyway, um, you start to see limitations. You start to see a certain way of thinking or of approaching you know, a function. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a tendency to think differently than a lot of people. And um, I have been volumetrically and gravimetrically challenged with my energy technology, always. I need to not waste volume or weight, and I need to be efficient. And so I think part of the innovation in the design of the microblowers, which are the core technology there, is, is really about being efficient uh, with materials uh, and energy. And so, you know, it's funny how your background drives you to do something else, but there really uh, is nobody to sort of uh, validate it with. I can validate the science and the physics and the, uh, the design, but uh, no, I, there's nobody, <laughs> nobody for me to, uh, to say, compare this to yours, because right. there's nothing that compares to this, actually. So... We've talked about the Indiegogo campaign. We've mentioned it several times. I mean, one of the big aha moments for the world about airing is that you've had a tremendous amount of success raising funds through uh, crowdfunding. Uh, where did you guys get the thought to do that? And I know you were set out to raise about 100000 I think you've gone over that goal 10 times. Right. What? Where did where did you why did you go out to the to the crowd on the funding side, and were you skeptical at all? When yes, um, so I think our chairman talks a little bit about this on a video uh, on the Indiegogo site, but um, I can give you my uh, my version of that, which is that uh, being an inventor, being an entrepreneur, being an innovator, um, there are traditional sources of capital for. Uh, investing in new technologies or ideas or companies and uh, each of these venues or these platforms have characteristics Um, it's you know interesting to me that venture capital or risk capital um, by definition and historically has become these days not so risk adverse (laughs) <laughs> right. uh, or much risk adverse, I should say, not so not so risk uh, prone to risk, especially so, for early stage. Yeah. So, so what what I think you find is that I think you find that um, that while it is possible um, that you could find interest, and in fact, um, I'm not allowed to discuss it, but uh, we found much interest in in this technology uh, from more traditional sources. They're not fast. The process is not fast. It comes with a lot of uh, Dilution. And well, well, I was going to say baggage, but <laughs> but, uh, but you can define sure. that however you want. Um, Other people's uh, uh, requirements, ideas, are, let's and say. input, right? Um, so it, it and it isn't always constructive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, money is one thing, but um, the ability to uh, to be creative and innovative is is sometimes something else. And so at any rate, um, we had a choice. Um, it was an active decision. It was one with given much thought. Um, and to be honest with you, trepidation. Um, but if you think about it, 
if you think about just classically speaking that a, a venture capital uh, fund has an objective to have a return on investment for its limited partners which essentially is more money in the bank and or a lot more money in the bank and when we thought about the idea of actually having the individual users, people who actually suffer from this condition, be the suppliers of the capital to make it a reality, that we kind of thought, especially when it's a donation on Indiegogo, mm-hmm. uh, we really kind of thought that their return on investment would be a longer, healthier life and not so many more pennies in the bank, right, uh, or dollars. And so there was something really appealing about that to us. And, I mean, since it worked, it's genius. Uh, did you guys think it was going to work, or did you, I mean... So I would I would uh, tell you that we, we could not have known. Uh, we, we are, uh, what's, what's, uh, what's, uh, we are uh, astounded, um, amazed, uh, grateful. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's completely rewarding. Um, the, the interesting thing about the crowdfunding, one of the interesting questions was crowdfunding is a proven platform. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of think that when I think of crowdfunding, I think of it as really a place to raise money for something, maybe like the fifth round of your manufacturing to make you know this new version or a, uh, this more, so people would buy something that they know exists and, right. and they just want at a discount or earlier or the, be the first ones. What we asked people to consider was supporting us at a concept level. You know, and, and before proof of concept, there is risk. Right there's a lot of risk until it's much less risk after proof of concept, sure. right? Sure. And so, I think the response that we got, tremendous response we got, and I use the word tremendous, uh, meaning how we feel about this, really showed us the need for something like this, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, so is it rewarding? Yeah, it's rewarding. It's, uh, but but it, it it's it's actually uh, it makes me feel really good because, as I said before, I always want to build something. I want to make a technology do something important. And here we have over two, ten thousand people. Uh, you you can go on on Facebook and read the comments yourself. But 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 people are are, are literally praying for this. Yeah. I mean they're. Um, they, uh, they, they need it and they want it so badly. So, um, so we, we couldn't have uh, imagined that. Um, well, I have a pretty creative imagination, so sure. maybe I can imagine anything. But, um, but I guess it was. Uh, it it was um, it was something that made sense to us to do once we decided to do it. Uh, we did it the best way that we knew how, yeah. um, and you know you see the results. Did it come in all at once, or I mean, like was, was there a moment? Oh, I think in the first day, uh, I think that I'm doing this from his uh, from memory, but sure. I think at the end of the first day, it may have been two hundred eighty thousand or something like that. Wow. 
This is, that's incredible. Yeah, it's For a medical um, device. I mean, that's incredible. It's a statement. Um, I think to the really to the need of of something like this. Did you? I mean, did you have a large distribution list of people you sent it to immediately, or no? We was uh, there any we marketing arts that you guys employed? That, we uh, sent nothing to to anybody. <laughs> right. The our message uh, that we sent uh, started out as a Facebook page, mm-hmm. um, and uh, then our website came online, and I think. Uh, things really took off in terms of awareness. The Facebook came out and the web page came out before the Indiegogo launch on June 15th. Um, I remember thanking people for 25,000 likes. I remember seeing ResMed on the on the front page with 18,000 likes, thinking, oh, that was interesting. <laughs> um, now we're at 84,000 likes. Uh, over 7 million people have visited our website. Sure. And what's really astounding, and again, a testament to the need for something like this, and perhaps the innovation of the idea and, and the approach. Um, but what's really astounding, I, I really think, is uh, this response, these numbers, uh, over 150,000 emails of uh, opted-in people who, who want to keep you know, uh, active in this, uh, is less than six months old. Right. So you build a website, you build a Facebook page, you tell people what you're doing, and by the time you launch an Indiegogo campaign, um, they are literally lined up, yeah. wanting to help and support you. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's if you if you really are good at it, or, or you or tap into the zeitgeist or whatever you say, right? I mean, it's it's a it's an astounding success. I'm wondering, and, and obviously, it's bred a tremendous amount of media attention as well. So you're you're so far ahead of of other companies um, in terms of awareness, in terms of building up early users. Uh, I wonder if there's any downside to all this attention, all this uh, success on that level. I don't know. Um, you know, there, there are different schools of thought about product development. Uh, some people say you, uh, you know, Apple's a good example of that. You don't tell anybody anything that you do until you've got it done and then you pop it out and uh, it's hard to catch up. Uh, then there are other people who say you tell everybody everything that you're doing and get get the early supporters and and, and buy in uh, the VHS and Betamax. You know whoever whoever gets the market uh, mind uh, may may win. Right. But but I don't believe that's the case here because that example really is one where you have sort of equivalent technology. Mm-hmm. I think what's what's part of the success here is uh, this is exceptional. This is um, uh, gee, I, I, I probably should be careful. <laughs> it's not like I'm immodest here, but I mean, it's a, it's it's a, for me just being a technologist. It's a it's an it's a it's an amazing idea, and it's an amazing use of an amazing invention. Right. So, if if you have something so different, then I think you have this possibility. Right. Right. So, I mean, proof of concept. Let's just talk about where you guys are in terms of your pathway to market you I assume you're gonna to have to go through the FDA get a 510k yeah um, that is the plan is that process begun I mean are you is you are you able at all to do uh, pilot studies or proof of concept studies with no people or no we are we are not there yet we are still um, I think there's a little diagram that will describe it but in in more uh, uh, maybe specific terms Proof of concept really means that you 
you need to build sort of a um, an example, mm -hmm. uh, a prototype is what we call it, an example of the device so that you can characterize it, so that you can understand, in this case, how much air it's blowing at what pressure, and determine that um, that this thing you built, the thing that you built in a way you can build it, mass produce it, can actually produce uh, what, it, what it needs to produce, in this case, air flow and pressure. At that point, uh, those prototypes, uh, the proof of concept devices, can be put in the little physical device that you see on the website, the thing we call the appearance model, the thing you see uh, people holding in their hands on in the videos, um, with those prototypes installed um, in a device that would stick in your nose, because that's part of the test also, is that, you know, you can... Steal it all night. Right, you can put it in there. So the physical device itself, not the micro pumps, we have built. You are looking at it. I am holding it. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have done sleep tests with these in terms of comfort and fit. Uh, the criterion is it has to go in easily, has to form a seal, it has to be comfortable enough you can fall asleep. You have to stay asleep. doesn't have to wake you up. Right. And it has to be there when you wake up. Yeah. And we've had much success at that. So part of the proof of concept prototype of the device, of the airing device, the CPAP, has been done. Right. Um, but the micro pumps, which is where I kind of always focus on of proof of concept, uh, we still need to build. Right. And... In terms of timelines, have you made those public at all? I mean, there, I mean, you have. I guess it comes back to you. You created this incredible wave and in interest. I mean, do you feel the market will be patient enough to you because it takes a long time to get a medical device onto a market? And it it does. I think most people, uh, certainly from the posting and from the the comments and answers that uh, that we've given, um, I think most people understand that. The um, from a product development perspective or product productization of a, a commercialization of a technology, the thing that we we probably have less certainty about is the is the FDA approval. In terms of making a mold to make a plastic device, or in terms of making a custom battery, mm -hmm. these are things that you that are more certain. Uh, mm -hmm. there, there's uh, much more precedent about it. Um, so, in the timeline that says our our, our intention, our goal, our desire. Uh, and our belief is is that if you know things go well and and we are successful in each of the stages, that this could be available in 2017. Um, if you look at things from from uh, again creating a mold to mold plastic or, or or some of the some of the more technical things, and knowing what those units of time can be, you can string those together and they fit. Um, we have time, obviously, in there for FDA approval. But again, you know, you'll you'll know about that when you get there and right. start doing that. Have, have you had initial discussions with the FDA? Um, I I think the proper answer would be no. Okay. Um, one of our team members, uh, Sharon Siskin, whose name and picture are on the site, has had a lot of experience with medical devices. Right, yeah, I think she's at Boston Scientific. Was Boston it? Scientific yeah. and, and uh, a number of other companies and has been through the process right. um, with, with other medical devices. So um, we, we have some comfort, you know, some, some reasonable good feeling about 
the possibilities of, of a timely process, but it's not fair to, to absolutely to, to uh, in terms of your funding picture. Uh, I assume that you'll need to raise more than the million or so you raised on Indiegogo. Is that commenced? Are you raising more funding now? Yeah, the the the, the one thing that um, I'm I'm happy to say to whoever's listening is that. Um, being uh, my first time um, and uh, on crowdfunding with Indiegogo or with any any crowdfunding, um, and being such a positive uh, experience so far, and and seeing the people out there and their willingness to you know to get involved and support, um, I like to remind people that there's an active part of a campaign called Live, and then there's a second part of the same campaign called In Demand. Mm -hmm. It's the same campaign. One is the more uh, Indiegogo-centric section, which is the live section. And uh, the second is really uh, still a crowdfunding campaign, but it's, it's, it's a mechanism really for people who want to continue to come to, to learn about us, to, to want to support us, to be able to come and contribute mm -hmm. uh, to, to help support this development. And so um, the tremendous... Uh, success we had in the in the live campaign, um, we we hope uh, is the beginning uh, because it uh, while it's a huge number of people for 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 our crowdfunding campaign, it represents a small number of people who actually suffer from this from from this condition, and so um, it, it's it's enabled us to to step on the gas pedal, you know, and right. accelerate this process. But we hope to continue to spread the message and, and hope to find uh, additional support. Have you raised other private money, or is it just no. from the crowdfunding? Well, uh, internal money. Besides, from, yeah, founder uh, or yeah, friends of family, friends of family they family say, right. But, right. but uh, no. Okay. Um, the old journalism question, what did I ask that you wanted to, to me to ask that perhaps you'd like to answer? Or? Uh, you asked some good questions, and I... I um, I don't know your audience that well, perhaps, um, unless there are people like you and me <laughs> who are interested in, in innovative technologies that will help people. But um, I, th I thought you asked good questions. I, I guess I would leave, uh, in, in quick summary, I would leave it with that sleep apnea or the depra deprivation of oxygen in your blood is a very serious condition. Uh, I think a lot of people know that, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. There's a predicted or an estimated 80% of the people who actually have the condition remain undiagnosed. Yes. Um, and, and it's unforgiving. It's, a, it's an accumulated uh, 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 problem. And so as I learn more about this, uh, having a potential you know, solution to the equipment that delivers the treatment, uh, I realized how devastating it is. And uh, my brother, who's a non-complier that I mentioned, is one of maybe the 20 million people diagnosed that uh, who can't comply, about 80% of those people long-term. Uh, Short-term, in the three or four months they, they measure it in, it might be only 50 or 60%. But longer-term, even more people drop off, say, after a year or so. But those people actually feel, feel guilty when they go to sleep at night because they understand the consequences. So yeah. I guess making sure that people understand how bad it is and making sure that they understand how important it is to, to get the treatment. Uh, and so in, unless 
until and unless I can deliver something that is more comfortable and, and easier for you to tolerate, I'd recommend you use any CPAP machinery that will work for you yeah. to, to get treated so you, so you can be healthier. Um, I understand that the treatment, the equipment that delivers that treatment is difficult. Uh, the people just, just can't make themselves. And so that's, that's what this is all about. And so I would remind them that um, developing a, a product from concept to approved, to manufactured, and to delivered is a difficult, a long, and expensive process. Um, but if it's important and worth it, then you do it. So, you know, that's my mission. Help us that's on the what way. we're going to do. <laughs> Help us on the way. I, I, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been interviewed and somebody says, and by the way, my dad has this. And I always say sure. the same thing. I say, would you do me a favor? Tell him I'm doing the best I can. And I'm going to get that out for him as quickly as I can. Yeah. So continued support on Indiegogo, which is really our, our funding mechanism at the moment, mm-hmm. would be greatly appreciated. Yeah. I mean, even even ResMed, they say awareness is their biggest problem that they face. People don't just don't aren't aware, which is rather surprising. Yeah, but you know, it's 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 a condition that happens while you sleep, right? Yeah. So um, you may be woken up, you may hold your breath, you you may be startled uh, many times a minute hundreds of times a night um, but if you don't wake all the way up you may not know it yeah. other than the fact that you will not be rested and um, you know it's it's a uh, it has a short-term immediate downside I mean people have accidents trains yeah. wreck trucks wreck um, people are not productive uh, you know but then it has a, a very uh, significant long-term negative effect, which Absolutely. can end badly. So it's a, it's it's prevalent. I, I I can tell you that there's an expression: if you throw a dart and hit somebody in the crowd, they have sleep apnea. And if they don't, there's somebody directly that they know <laughs> yeah. who does. And it's true. It's absolutely true. You put any ten people together, and yeah. there's a, you know. There's a case, That's which is sure. which is shocking, uh, and I had no idea. Right. I had no idea, but now I do. I'm even more compelled to do something about it, <laughs> right. um, because it could be any one of us. Absolutely. <laughs> well, best of luck to you, Stefan, and best of luck to Erin and um, the Indiegogo campaign. They can learn more about it on your website. www.fundfundairing.com. Excellent. Yep. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you.